0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Live Line. 51551 is our text number, as always. Jimmy Keary. Jimmy, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. You contacted us. You say, I want to share my experience. Go ahead, Jimmy. Yeah. um, Last year, I suffered a very bad bout of depression and Mm -hmm. anxiety. And I'd never suffered from it before. And I didn't really know what was wrong with me. And the reason for coming on today is just to reach out to fellow sufferers, like to Mm. let them know they're not alone, um, to be positive, uh, hopeful, and to talk about it. That's kind of, I've started talking about my depression in the last few weeks to people. And I I find it very helpful to me because the more I talk about it, the less it is a big dark bogeyman in the corner. And... I know it's not easy for people to talk, mm-hmm. but if they can find a friend, a family member, or whatever, to talk to, to let that person into your life so that if they see you maybe looking not well or whatever, that they won't be afraid to ask you what's wrong. Like, I've found out since I started telling people I was depressed last year, people have said to me, oh, you looked awful looking, we were worried about you. But yet nobody said anything to me. Okay. Which mm. people people don't like to intrude. Mm. But if you open the door to people, then they'll feel free to to keep your health in mind, like to talk to you. Uh, they won't be afraid. So that's kind of my message. Um, it started last year. I wasn't feeling well. I wasn't feeling kind of my usual yeah. self. I'm a writer and. I was working on a new play, and normally I'm very sort of disciplined when I'm working on a play, like I write something every day and and correct and different things. But I began to notice that I was losing my focus and that maybe a week would go by and I wouldn't have written anything, or two weeks, or maybe not even want to write. And then during the summer or late, kind of maybe it was May, June, um, well, I, I had problems with a roof, a leaking roof, and also with a stove that was kind of on its last legs. Now, I suppose people listening are saying, well, they wouldn't be real problems, like if you had problems trying to pay a mortgage or health problems yeah, yeah, or marriage yeah. issues or whatever. But everything is sort of how you look at it. And like a couple, a married couple, or if you have a partner or whatever, dealing with a problem, they can talk about it. But I had no one to talk to, so... All my discussions were inside my head and molehills can become mountains and I'm a warrior anyway. Like my mother was a warrior, Lord Mercy, and I had an aunt who was also a warrior. And when I was about 12, a lady said to my mother that he's like my daughter. He sees worry before it comes at all. So with me, I just tend to worry about things and all this kind of got out of proportion in my head. And kind of every waking moment was kind of focused on my problems. And then the bad weather, the rain and the dark, you know, the dark days last summer, it wasn't a great summer. I wasn't able to be out and cutting grass and doing hedges and stuff that I'd normally be doing. And so I, I wasn't eating. I got into a state where my throat muscles weren't able to cope with food. If I had to chew anything for a long period in my mouth, 
I'd start to reach. Um, so I had to kind of take soft food. I had to go from taking toast in the morning to taking soft bread. I wasn't sleeping. Um, it, I was very restless at night. I might sleep for an hour or two and then be awake around one o'clock and not go back to sleep anymore. I could be up at four or five o'clock making the bed again. Uh, so then when I got up in the morning, then I had no energy. Uh, I had no interest in anything. Um, I was listless, restless. Um, I didn't want to see anyone. If I went out shopping or maybe out for something to eat, I was hoping I wouldn't meet anyone I knew because okay. I didn't want to be rude to them. Like, they'd come up to you and they'd be talking like as usual. But I had a tired brain. It, it kind of, I wasn't able to kind of process what people were saying to me and then kind of formulate a reply. And... Uh, it, like it's not like me as you can probably hear by now I can't stop talking <laughs> but, and, but uh, Jimmy did, did were you looking back on that period were you aware yourself that you were unwell oh I knew I wasn't well I mean I knew I was living a kind of mm-hmm. groundhog day I was living the same day over again and a few times like before going to bed at night you know you kind of wish you wouldn't wake up in the morning okay it was that bleak, mm-hmm. and and no, and I I'm going to say nobody to talk to about it. But I didn't really want anyone to talk to about yeah, it. Yeah. People, somebody bring me up and say, "Well, we'll call to see you," and I'd say, "Well, I'm not feeling very well," and that was kind of I, I didn't go any further than that because I didn't really know what was wrong with me. Just that I wasn't in the mood for company, and um, I'll never forget my doctor, the lady doctor, um, first of all, when she gave me the diagnosis that I was suffering from depression and anxiety, I felt ashamed. And I want to apologise to fellow sufferers. That's not how I feel now. But my shame came from ignorance. And I had associations of uh, depression with tranquilizers and different sort of medications and maybe mental hospitals. And, you know, I was just totally... I was on the wrong road altogether. And I remember having to make a difficult call to a member of the family just to tell them I was suffering from depression. And it was yeah. one of the hardest phone calls I had to make. And, and what, the doctor d- put, not, not in that particular case, Jimmy, obviously with your relation, but what generally would people say to you when you say you're suffering with depression? Well, now, it's funny, but people tell you, and some people have told me like that they suffer similarly. Like when they get an opening and hear me talking about depression, they'll come to me and say, or, you know, they'll, 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 mm-hmm. they'll answer by saying, we suffer that way too. Yeah, okay. Um, they're just waiting for an opening. And normally in a conversation, in a day-to-day conversation, we live such fast lives and rushing everywhere that people don't have time for proper chats. It's kind of, how are you? Oh, I'm fine, and move on. But yeah. if you actually stop to talk to people... And, like, I've become so much more positive since I went on the medication. And I, if I'm in a supermarket, if I'm in a queue in the supermarket, if there's somebody in front of me who catches my eye or behind me, I start a conversation with them. And obviously, if they don't want to talk, then I won't push it. But you can have five or ten minute conversations with people while you're waiting to move along a queue. And the same if I'm at a coffee machine or tea machine making a cup of tea uh, you know I, I'll strike up a conversation and if the people are approachable then we talk and I find it's great to talk even if not about depression but just great to talk to people of course it is that's for social beings 
and, and we, Jimmy, we've... Jimmy, how did you, how did you make that? You said your initial reaction was shame, and how did you make that leap to actually going for help? Well, I had. I mean, I was on medication. I was on. Medi- I was suffering from vertigo last year, and I was on medication okay. for vertigo. And so, when I started developing symptoms of not sort of feeling well, I began to think maybe it was a reaction to the tablets. Okay. But then the doctor reduced the amount of, you know, the dosage and said, come back maybe in a few weeks. And I came back and I still wasn't feeling any better. And then we cut that tablet out altogether and come back in a few weeks and maybe he gave me an alternative or whatever. But, um, you know, that that's how... I, I, I was, It wasn't that I didn't go for help, but it's just... I was misleading the doctor by what I was telling him. Like, I was off on a different track. I was thinking about, you know, I, I didn't really think I could suffer from depression. And I, I was blaming tablets for it, when in fact it was something going on in my own life, mm. if you know what I mean, that, that was triggering it. Um, and when was, or who, was the first medic that ever used the word depression? To well, explain actually, my your daughter, condition. Oh, sorry, my, my doctor had to go uh, away and... Uh, his daughter was doing practice work, okay. yeah. and she tried a tablet on me, and it didn't work. And then I broke down and cried to her one day and asked her, "Was I losing my mind?" And okay. she she said no. That um, and she was very calming and reassuring and sympathetic and empathetic. And she put me on a tablet, and she said. She was going to put me on two tablets, but she was going to introduce me first with one tablet a day. Okay. And she said, no, you're going to feel worse now for about two or three weeks while this tablet is settling in, you know, while your system yeah, is getting yeah. used to it. And so when my system had got used to it, after about two or three weeks, she introduced the second tablet. Now, like for the first couple of weeks, I really did feel worse. I felt very sort of hyperactive, couldn't couldn't kind of sit still or lie still. Um and it was just kind of a feeling of, of, of kind of going up. But then kind of overnight, literally, you woke up sort of one morning and I could eat better. Okay. Then I started sleeping better. Uh, I felt more positive in myself. And then she introduced the second tablet. And I haven't looked back since. I'm just making constant progress. Great, great. great. And I'm still on that medication and I'm going back to see her next week. And we'll decide then whether I'm going to stay on the tablets. I'd like to stay on it myself because uh, she, t- she tells me it's non-addictive. Right. So uh, I wrote to her at Christmas on a Christmas card and I thanked her for giving me back my life. Wow. Which is what she's done. Wow. And I'm hoping, I mean, to, uh, if you forgive me, I'm hoping to try and some preventative measures myself to try and help my own situation. Yeah. And like I've been a playwright now for nearly 30 years and I'm hoping maybe contact writers groups or if there are any writers groups listening today in Longford, Westmead, the surrounding counties, that they might like to have me talk to them about writing plays and mm-hmm. it would be something I'm passionate about. It would also get me in touch with people. Um, it would keep me occupied and that's just I'm putting that call out today and if you want to put my information on your webpage or mm-hmm. whatever, I, don't, I have no problem with that. But I, I'm hoping to give people comfort and to tell them they're not alone. And just to talk to somebody. I know they may not feel like talking to somebody now when they're in the throes of depression, but a friend, a family member, someone that can be there in your corner if you need them. 
But then when you hear people today saying, you know, who can I tell? Everyone is in such a hurry. Everyone is running mm. around. Everyone has got Borden's ghosts or whatever on their shoulders. If I start going on about my illness and remember uh, depression, such a devious illness, it's the only illness that will tell you you don't, you, you, you should not only, can you not do anything about me as an illness, you should not do anything about me. The depression makes, uh, instructs you to actually give up the yeah, fight against it. Yeah, I mean, I have it. no interest in anything. I mean, I know yeah. kind of the way it's able to change, like this tablet kind of subtly has changed my whole perspective on life kind of mm. and I've kind of become much more tolerant and much more well maybe relaxed is not the word but I I try to be there for other people now yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and a smile or a nod from somebody to somebody who's having a bad day it can mean a lot okay. and what was Just, Jimmy, Jimmy what was of all the things that were said to you is there anything that jumps out that had meaning looking back on it? Well, I mean, I was on the road to recovery before I shared my okay. story, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So there was, there was nothing anybody said to me. Well, one friend did say to me, kind of, who knew I wasn't well, mm-hmm. although the word depression wasn't mentioned, but kind of to pick yourself up and kind of... Yeah, fed up this or whatever. Yeah. ...and do something. And, but that's easier said than done when you're down there yeah. in that black hole. Yeah. It's... it's um, it's the last thing you want to do because I didn't have any energy. I mean, some mornings, by the time I'd shaved and dressed or showered or whatever, before I could make my breakfast, I had to lie back in the bed for maybe five or ten minutes to give myself enough energy to go on. Yeah. Uh, that's how bad it was. And there was no... Um, was there a physical reason for your listlessness? Or was it, you put it down to I, your I mental know, I think state? It was all, I think it was just a vicious circle, yeah, yeah. I think. Um, because since I went on the tablet, like, my energy levels have improved. Um, but energy levels kind of have to do with positivity, if you know what I mean. Um, I look forward to waking up in the morning now. I look forward to every new day. I look... Uh, without sound, I don't mean to sound sort of hyperactive or anything, but it's just kind of part of who I am, this kind of new person. I took every day for granted, I suppose, before the depression, and now I kind of savour every day. Brilliant. Brilliant. That makes sense. <laughs> and what, uh, again, what would you say to people who are listening? Maybe they're in bed at the minute. Maybe they're fed up. Yeah. What would you say to them? Like I've, I've over the years, and I, I worked professionally with people who were depressed in a previous life as a social worker. But yeah. I remember some people were so desperate, Jimmy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. They were so, in such a dark place. They were so cast down. That was an ex- yeah. it was extraordinarily difficult to try it is because and connect. It has, that, it has that stigma about it, the word depression. Like when the doctor said depression and anxiety, anxiety kind of didn't have that same ring to it as depression had. Like I felt much worse about having depression than anxiety, if, if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, I don't know what I'd say to, to people because I suppose to go to a, a, a healthcare professional is probably what you need to do like to I mean I I don't think I'd be where I am today without medication so um, you know what I mean that 
everything else has come from the medication. The, the medication okay. has been the foundation from which I've rebuilt my life. Okay, that was through your, uh, GP, so, your GP, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Recommending, um, recommending that. And yeah, how would you, yeah. desc- Jimmy, how would you describe the anxiety attacks? Well, as I say, I've been a warrior, so this just kind of got mm. out of proportion. I mean, when you're on your own... Um, like people live in a, a kind of a net. Some people are part of a network. They all have friends, particularly like farmers or that, or people living in rural areas. Mm-hmm. They all have connections. They all know a builder, or they all know a plumber, or they all know somebody who can do this and who's very good with their hands or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I don't. So I'm relying on people out of Facebook, or okay. I'm getting people that I. So it just adds to the worry, like because you don't know who you're getting, really. And secondly, um, you're not quite sure what sort of a job they're going to do. And it's just in your own head, really. I mean, just, I thought one leak was cured last year and then another appeared. And kind of the second one coming maybe six weeks after the first was even worse than the leak the first time. And I sort of had visions of the ceiling collapsing okay. and, and stuff you were, like that. It, it, to use a phrase, you were catastrophizing. Everything was going to be. I was. Yeah, it's be just a seeing seeing the the glass half empty all the time. I and suppose. Jimmy, did your did your professional life, i.e., play, uh, writing and writing, writing plays, yeah. especially, yeah, did did any of those tools help? Um, I believe it or not, in the middle of my depression, I managed to write finish this play. Now, trying to write comedy when you're depressed is was a new experience. It was a struggle trying to be funny mm-hmm. and not feeling in the least bit funny. Um, in a way, I suppose it was a bit of therapy, but I don't know. I, I wasn't as fully committed as I usually am. Okay. And it, it, was just, it was just more of a chore to get it finished. But it had its premiere or its first staging back in November, and I went along and spoke off the stage, like at the end, and... It was very well received by the audience. So little did they know what actually went into it, the amount of yeah, well, pain no, and well, anguish that went into it. The road I was I was trying to go down there, uh, Jimmy, was um, like you, you write characters, you write convert, you write yeah. uh, dialogue, you write in your you, even if it might never get on the page, you write backstories for people. Like yeah, a, I mean, I, I, I'm a people watcher in the sense. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I, I no, I'm just wondering. No, 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 I'm just wondering. Was there any character that spoke to you? In other words, at any stage, you say, "Well, what would, what would Paddy Murphy say from?" No, who, no, uh, no. Um, because, well, I've never introduced the subject of depression into my plays because they're comedy, okay. and it's very hard to find anything funny about depression. Yeah. Um, yeah. At any time, no, I, I don't mean to sound that flippant or off. No, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's be just, short. Um, so, I mean, people would have illnesses in my play, but there'd be light illnesses, there wouldn't be anything, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. an audience want to go home happy, they don't want, uh, you know, okay. they, don't, yes, they don't want yes. to really be weighed down with yes, yes. people, that sort of problems. Because if you go down the road of depression, then, you know, there can be black humour in it, perhaps, but uh, really, no, um, and I don't know what I ever even still write about depression. I mean, I talk about it, but I don't think I'd ever 
write a play about it because I'm happier with comedy writing because comedy is something I've always written and I seem to have a flair for it and I've okay. 25 plays written and so um, uh, Well done. I'm talking to Jimmy Keary. He is a playwright. He's contacted us because he wants to talk um, uh, about his depression and his experience of it and above all, above all his dealing with it. Now, you, you will know, I think, some of them. Um, the two loves of Gabriel Foley was not one of yours. Yeah, yes. yeah. Oh, God, you're, you're yeah, no, up. up there. I'm reading this. I'm reading this. Yeah, um, yeah. For better, for worse. Yeah. Give me the give me names of some of your other plays. The Maiden Aunt. Okay, you wrote uh, a, a fish out of water. The one I wrote last year when I wasn't feeling well was called Marrying Mike. Okay. Uh, Mother knows best. Fortunes and misfortunes. Okay. Um, the list goes on. There's 25. I started I started with one act in uh, 1995 and then I wrote my first three act in 99 and I've kind of averaged a play a year since. And you also wrote Detective. You also wrote Detective and Adventure Stories when you were much younger. Was, now, yeah, did yeah, you... That, that's why I didn't think I was going to have depression because... Like, as a child, I wrote all these stories, like, because I, I had no brothers or sisters, and my father died when I was seven, and so it was just myself and my mother, and there were no computers that time, and if there wasn't anything to watch on television or any comics to read, mm-hmm. I'd make up little stories with toys, with the matchbox cars and the yeah, yeah, kind of cowboys and stuff. Your own and little world, yeah. Do the voices like it was, like, my own little theatre, and then yeah. it went from that to writing them down, and that's how the writing started and I have about 77 copies still here <laughs> of the stories I wrote. Uh-huh. Um, okay, they'll still be available. I want to bring in Frank Fahey who's contacted us from Galway. Joe at rt.e 5155108715815. Frank, you're listening to Jimmy. Uh, hello, Joe and hello, Jimmy. I just hello, wanted Frank. to let you know that uh, hello, that um, when you mentioned about making contact with writing groups where mm-hmm. you could talk about various things we okay. have a writing group which started out in Galway called Rice On, W-R-I-T-E. Yeah. And right. um, during, uh, we used to meet in person, but during COVID, we went on mm-hmm. to Zoom. And we meet okay. every Thursday night from 7 o'clock to 9 on Zoom. We have members from all over the world at this stage, about 40 members. Yeah. But the reason right. I think it might be attractive to you is mm-hmm. that many of our members are recently widowed. Some people are recovering from cancer. And okay. um, various people have their own troubles. And yeah. we don't always talk about writing as such. We, it's a kind of a okay. social group as much okay. as a writing group. Excellent, excellent. And I thought but when I heard you speak that it, that, it, that it might suit you down to the ground to be able to, yeah. you know, uh, mix your writing abilities. I've never before, but uh, first time for everything. Well, we, we, we have tutorials on our website as to how to go about it, and it's very simple. Okay. And we're, we're very patient with newcomers and very encouraging. Okay. Now, we okay. also publish, since, since we formed in, 20, or in 19, 20, I'll get mixed up, 2017, we produce an anthology of the best of our writing every September, and we launch it on Culture Night, and Michael D. Higgins very kindly launches oh. the book for us on Zoom. Excellent. So, uh, so far now, we have 15 publications. Uh, in oh, the last week, we just published our, our very first novel, um, written by Olga Peters, called A Normal Couple. And that is about her experiences of living in Germany during the war. Wow. So we, 
we have. But Frank, um, do, do, my... Frank, just sorry, just to go back to, to what Jimmy is. Would it, in your group? I know you yes. say it's it's you're not strictly um, writers group. You don't ever. You're not breaking any rules if you don't talk about writing for him. But would you talk yeah. about mental health? Yes, absolutely, Great. Joe. In Great. my own case, in my own case, I had um, addiction problems, okay. which I um, resolved in 2012, and well, my whole life changed. Um, and um, I, there is uh, elements of depression that we talk about. Mm. Uh, actually, just to try and make a bit of humour out of it, everything that I write, people say, how many corpses are in that book? Brilliant. Because yeah, I think okay. my, writing, my yeah. writing tends to be aimed at... Uh, uh, we, we pile up the corpses in our short stories. And actually, I'm engaged in writing a novel myself called Addiction to Murder. Now, the okay. addiction okay. part of it comes to addiction to another substance, <laughs> which okay. I've sorted out. But uh, I made up a murder mystery um, using the backdrop of a rehab. Okay, would you say in so, your, you say in your, look at, look at the success of Richard, Richard Osmond's murder mystery set in a, a residential home for older people. Frank, you say, I, I suffer depression and I got long COVID. Are you connecting the two of them? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, okay. I got very. I got. I got a dose of long COVID on April the second, twenty twenty-two. I'll never forget it, and um, it lasted for over a year. In fact, I'm still recovering from it. I haven't fully recovered, but that's um, you know my energy levels were mm. completely depleted. Um, I was I was more or less a prisoner in my own house up here. Oh, I couldn't gosh. go out. I couldn't meet people, and so on and so forth. Uh, suffering from complete exhaustion. And the biggest factor for me was I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't read. And naturally, I couldn't write. And that year, when I was trying to edit the anthology, I had to get a professional editor to help us out on that occasion. I should say that I'm a retired editor and publisher myself. And in fact, Joe, I've met you at a number of book launches and things down through the years. Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Okay, stay with us both. Uh, Jimmy Jimmy Keary and Frank Fahey. Joe with RT.ie, 51551 is a text. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And Joe at RT.ie. Noel McNally. Noel, good afternoon. Oh, how are you, Joe? How are things? Uh, you thanks went, for the call. Uh, and you went into the Savoy Cinema yesterday in the centre of Dublin, you tell us, and you were nearly left singing in the rain because you couldn't well, get into the picture house. What happened? Well, I was showing the door. I think there's plenty of room in the inn, but I, I, I wasn't welcome, Joe. So the story is that, that uh, yeah, I'd heard a review. I wanted to see uh, American fiction. I'd heard ah, a review yeah. of it on the Brendan O'Connor show on Sunday. Okay. So I went uh, and went for the ATM uh, showing there uh, yesterday. And uh, uh, the girl saw me. I had cash in my hand. So she said, uh, "You can't. Uh, I can't take cash. And I just said to her, look, uh, I don't have credit card or tap or mm. whatever it is. Uh, all I have is cash. And this is it. So she says, I can't take it. And I say, ah. does, the, does the Savoy Cinnamon not take any uh, cash-paying customers? Sure, sure, look, no more than your previous guest there. Sure, uh, I, I was a uh, no AP, like a senior citizen. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was just trying to get out of the house and <laughs> get, get get a bit of social interaction for the weekend. And you you you, you could you couldn't persuade, but just no, it's not the it's not the uh, it's not well, the, the well, fault of the person behind the counter. They're lovely in the Savoy, but um, 
It's it's the system. The system has said you cannot go to the Savoy Cinema unless you have a credit card. Well, there was no notice for me, and, and actually, I checked online uh, when I came out afterwards. So they specifically say that they they do take uh, cash in a well, I mean, on a restricted basis. But uh, there also online mm-hmm. was an was an instance uh, following the COVID period. And an 82-year-old patron of the Savoy was sent away because he couldn't pay cashless. Now, the excuse then was the COVID period or whatever the restrictions. But we moved yeah. on since then. But look, the story is plenty of people, older people, like I say, I was a senior citizen. I travelled in on my on my bus pass and I was looking forward to my concession ticket to watch the movie that I was interested in. So the story was that Cash wasn't king today. Anyway, well, are you fine? Are you fine? Yeah, well, citizen, 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 cash isn't king. Um, no, yeah. Um, yeah. you saw the story last week with the Matter Private Hospital, where a lot of obviously a lot of older people would attend. Um, they don't yeah. take cash either. Um, have well, you have you have you come across other places that won't take cash anymore? Well, look, there has been a reversal of the NDLS in, in relation to driving licenses. Yeah, we did actually. I, I know. Yeah. I know I renewed my own license during the COVID period. And I had to, had to, my wife came with me on that occasion for to make the payment by by a credit card. But 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 look, uh, there, there are plenty of reasons why certain people don't use cash. Actually, I listened to a very interesting article last week. I think on the Ray Darty show, which is to do with online gambling, and a young, a young lad of eighteen that was addicted to to online gambling to tap tap tap, and he had no idea of how much money he was spending. His poor poor mother was. I love uh, the heartbreak she was going through. And would you... What, okay, and, and forgive the, the bluntness, why won't you get a credit card now? Well, I suppose it's part of the orientation, but partly to do with uh, budgeting. Uh, look, if I open my wallet and I have 50 euros in it, I have 50 euros to spend. And if I spend this, then I know what I spend. Uh, I, I, I don't think that invisible or cashless. Uh, spending would suit my budgetary management. Uh, mm. I find it. I don't know that I could tra- track it or I'd overspend or whatever. Would you, okay, okay. And <laughs> would you would you carry much cash with you? Well, like say you, you budget for your night out yeah, okay. or your week or okay. whatever it is. Well, there's plenty of people do that. I mean, you have X amount to, to get get you through whatever the period is, the week or the day, and that's what you need. And what about, what about, um, like, is there no occasion where you have to, do you use the post office or the bank to pay bills or collect your, you mentioned you're an OAP, to collect? Ah, well, well, well look, I have an ATM card, of course, but, but, but uh, well, fair well, the ATM, well, and it's only for an ATM, that, would, that wouldn't have got you into the Savoy. Well, no, no, I couldn't tap, 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 Joe, no, no. Oh, it's tap, it's tap they want. Do you want yeah. to tap? It's not a new phrase in order now. You tap, <laughs> you want to tap? Remember? Look, I was disappointed. I, I am a movie buff. I had, had done a bit of research on, on the movie, and I was looking forward to an enjoy, enjoyable evening out. And uh, no more than, I said, your first guest, like uh, to get out of the house and mix and mingle and whatever it was. Mm-hmm. That that was important thing for me, and it's based on a, a book by an incredible writer called Purcell Everett. What was it? What's American fiction is called now? American fiction, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's also written a, a fantastic book called The Trees, and he's a new book coming out soon. Actually, his book The Trees was 
was it shortlisted for the Dublin Impact Award? And I tweeted about a year ago saying it was going to win it, but I was wrong again. Um, but anyway, it's a great, it's a great, great, great read. And what's your favourite cinema in? I know the Dublin, a lot of them are gone. But what's your favourite cinema in Dublin? Uh, yeah. now? I know, uh, I, I do like the Savoyas. I think the Savoyas is the oldest cinema in Dublin. And then I, I, I very much like going to the, the, the lighthouse because of the, the transport links. It's, it's handy for mm. me. Or else I'd go, go to the, the movie in, in the square. So, uh, yeah, no. Okay. Uh, no and your, uh, and your, favorite, your favorite movie of all time? Ah, yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, very, very much like uh, Casablanca. I got a chance to see that uh, not, not too long ago. Uh, the square had a screening of it, of it oh, wow. the 80th, the 80th anniversary of Casablanca. So I think it was the first time I got to see it mm. on the big screen, uninterrupted, and it was really wonderful. Now the cinematography was was very impressive. Now, and would you, by the way, when they're when they're making movies, would you go along to see the movie being made? Like you mentioned, Smithfield. That's where. Now it's a long time ago, Noel. That's where uh, the spy who came in from the cold. A lot of that was filmed in Smithfield oh, with, yeah, yeah, with, yeah, with, yeah. with uh, Richard Burton and Liz Taylor was in Dublin with him at the time, and they were great. They stayed at the Gresham, and they were they were they were a, a very glamorous couple uh, around uh, around the city. But a lot like the Gala said, all the all the big cinemas are gone, aren't they in Dublin? I presume. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, someone told me the beautiful cinema in Dingle shut down recently. Maybe we can confirm oh, yeah, that, or otherwise, hopefully, it's still open. But cinemas are on because mainly because of COVID. Um, and the cinema told us, hang on, the cinema told us they had to sign up re-cash only. But they, well, didn't, but, but they didn't take cash. Oh, sorry, well, card only. Uh, I was showing the door anyway. No, the saying, that, that should have read card. <laughs> they said they had a sign up saying card only. But I don't, it doesn't matter whether you had to sign up or not. Our, our, our business is allowed, say, we can only take, uh, we can only do tap. Yeah, well, that's it, Joe. And then just the, the O'Connell Street area too, as 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 own look. Business on on that area of the street, Upper O'Connell Street, is very depleted with with low footfall. I mean, if you're going to discourage pe- people visiting the place, like it's not going to do do much for for its profile or. You know, going to the movies mm-hmm. is a very great social and cultural events. Yeah, here. I I wouldn't like to be discouraged from going to the Savoy, but. but if they don't take cash paying customers, then I'd have to go somewhere else. Okay. Okay, no, that's a pity. Now, that's a pity, but as we say, there's other places that, um, there's other places, unfortunately, now that are trying, but this is in the same month, well, we're now into February, but in January, uh, the, the Minister, Michael McGrath, said he was going to introduce legislation to force banks to put up, to, to uh, erect ATM machines and to force companies to give people a choice between cash and card. But I don't know. I don't know how you can force them. But um, well, it's it's saying, oh, Joe. You know, on the one hand, you have the sales point, but they they were selling what goodies that you buy in the cinema, popcorn and whatever. So uh, why why would all that have to be dealt with by by tap only? But maybe if it's a safety or security reason for for, for the zone, and to say, well, look, there's a lot of robberies or something. If they're saying that, well. Whatever, uh, I, I I don't know, but all I got yeah. was I was shown the door. Okay, okay, shown. That's a great <laughs> phrase, now. 
there's there's, yeah. a, there's a story in all of, well about five papers around saying I'm going to be shown the door in June 12 months but well, that's the first <laughs> I've heard of it that's the first I've heard of it <laughs> and they say uh, RTC doesn't want a new contract that's the first I've heard of that as well but anyway that's life it's all it's all a rich tapestry ah, yeah, yeah. Ah, no look, okay look. go back out to O'Connor Street sing in the rain uh, dance yeah. dance on the streets see can you find the good fellas <laughs> the good fellas that will um, what's your favourite Irish movie now Ah, I suppose. Uh, ah, I'm trying to think now. I, I like Brian's daughter. What was it? Oh, I loved it. The way it was shot in Ireland. Loved it. Then, uh, loved it. And then Moby Dick. I have a great girl for you yeah, all. As it's down, so the Moby all, Dick yeah. club is, yeah. uh, is down, down there. So all yeah. the memorabilia to, to do with the, the making of the movie is... You heard, you heard the story about... Well, you heard the story about Ryan's daughter when they were... Um, when they were making it at Below and Dingle with Robert Mitchum and Sarah Miles and yeah. Robert Lean and all the carry on it, a whole lot of them. And the yeah. worst thing they ever did was get rid of the set, the, the, the beautiful set ah, of the yeah, school. Sure. That, that, was that should have been yeah. kept. But anyway, there was a fella rambled in. I think he rambled into Kruger's pub, isn't it, in Dingle one, one Friday night? <laughs> and the place was hopping, hopping. And um, he said, I'll try and can I get through to the bar to get a pint? And the man says, I'll get you a pint. It's all, everything is on the house. And he oh, said, right. your on the house. He said, what's the story? He said, it's uh, it's Ryan's daughter paying for it. He said, is she is she back from America? Well, she was. But it's a great it's a great movie. Okay, Noel, we'll, right. we'll campaign Thanks on this much, together. Yeah. We'll campaign on this together, Nolik. Oh, slant, yeah, yeah, slant, yeah. slant. Thanks for Thanks for on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Now, I mentioned this on Friday, and we've been doing it for a few days, all the complications, yes, sir, not a few days, doing it for a few months, all the complications about this return deposit scheme, which came into effect on February the 1st. Much to the surprise of everybody, and all weekend I asked in shops, every shop I went into, are you charging the uh, new uh, levy to deposit return? And uh, they all said yes. And I said, have you have you facility to give it back? And they all said no. And they said um, the, the, this whole confusion about barcodes, the bottles are supposed to have a symbol. We were given a list on Thursday of 600 products that will not have the symbol. Will not have the symbol, but the but you will be charged a fifteen or twenty five cent extra, um, and the only way you can get it back is for uh, the shop to be able to read the barcode, um, and give you back your fifteen pence when you hand in your dirty water bottle that's crushed, and stamped upon. Now, um, well, I we also discovered on a Friday because we rang them and we said to Dublin Airport. You have a fantastic turnover. It's a fantastic airport, in fairness, but they're one of the few airports in the world where they they lay out pallet loads of water for people to take. And there's an honesty box. And up to Thursday, they were plastic bottles and you put your euro in and you took your bottle and there's no queue and it's a really efficient system. And then uh, we discovered at the weekend that the one DAA told us they're not going to take part in the deposit return scheme. They just couldn't operate it. Well, you understand that. So what they're doing is they're changing the carton. They're getting rid of plastic bottles, which a lot of people would think is very positive. And I tweeted it earlier. One of our listeners sent in what they've replaced it with. And it's gone. This is the big difference now. The plastic bottle, which was one euro, uh, has now been replaced by a kind of Tetra pack, which is two euro. So it's doubled in price for the same amount of water. Will, good afternoon. How you doing, Joe? What do you think? You, you, yeah. you, 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 you emailed us about this. 
You were flying out to Bulgaria on Friday. What happened? Yeah, I just I was listening to your show all last week, and uh, yeah, I just spotted the just when you go past security where they have the dishonesty box there with the water that they'd actually doubled in price, and I just thought it was a bit bit Irish. But they say you know that they have their statement here, and we read out another another statement from them about the there were. Rightly so, saying they think this is a great idea. But what they didn't tell us on Friday was that it's a great idea, but it'll mean the doubling of the price uh, of a bottle of water. That's um, up to two, two um, euro. They also say... Yeah, sorry, Will. Go ahead. Yeah, I've been through the airport in the past and uh, like before this uh, 15 cents uh, bottle return. And they have actually had the Tetra packs of water at certain stages. Oh, have they? And yeah. it was on... It was on sale for one euro. Ah, the same as the same as the plastic bottles. Well, it's now two euro. And by the way, I didn't know this. Will we've all seen it? Uh, they say uh, as background, there is no honesty system. They say in Dublin Airport, the water has a price which has to be paid. Not paying it would be theft. All points of sale are monitored by CCTV and airport police. Oh, I thought it was an honesty system because there's no cashier there. Obviously, that's another expense. Um, you just go up and have a, they have a, a, a collection box you throw in. Now, I know people have thrown in buttons, Will. I know people I know people have thrown in washers to try and pretend they're putting in the money, but they're not. I'm sure, I'm sure they have. Because there's no way. There's, and I know people have uh, went to put in their money and they've coughed at the same time to give the impression that there's money going into the box. But anyway, I, I'd love to find... They say the, the, the water situation in Dublin Airport, uh, it, it, people think it's an honesty system. It is not an honesty system. You must put in the money. And if you don't, you will be... You could be, sorry, you could be stopped by the airport police for robbery. Now, has anyone ever been stopped in Dublin Airport for robbing a bottle of water from those from those pickup points? Now, they also say that there that there are hydration points, hydration stations. If you bring your own, bring your own bottle, maybe people should. But then, how do you? Well, you do get your bottle through now, don't you? Once it's an empty bottle. Yeah, but, well, I've always help? done both. Like. Yeah, I've always done both. Like, I'd pay for the bottle or I'd often travel with a refillable water bottle, so I would use the, yeah, as you call them there, the hydration station. Okay, well then, Tim Bracken... It's really just just my point that uh, the price of the bottle just had doubled just at the same time as the... um, now it's still it's still Irish water, so it's well, it's, it's obviously water, obviously Irish water. I hope it's Irish water. Tipperary water. Yeah, but they better. they say um, they say that the Tetra Pack, it's called Hygo H Y G O. The Tetra Pack Tetra Pack is um, is much more environmentally friendly. Well, it want to be a two double the price, but it's much more environmentally friendly than the plastic bottle. Even though we're now, even though we're, even though we're now told that the, the obviously because they're now giving money back, that plastic is recyclable. And why isn't there plastic uh, spots at every recycling location around the country where we leave our glass and our? You can leave cans as well, and surely they should say leave your plastic. Uh, also, where's Tim? Tim Bracken. Tim, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. How are you? Good. Credit where credit is due. Go ahead, Tim. Uh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Everybody's yeah. kind of complaining about Dublin Airport. No, they're not. No, 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 no. Hang on, Tim. I, I, I won't, I'm not being touchy. They're not complaining about Dublin Airport. They're, and they're not complaining about helping the environment, in fairness. They, what people have been complaining about was this new system, was the process, oh, was the cost of it, was the machines, was the fact that small shopkeepers were being kept out of it and they were, they were collecting the deposits on the bottles and people were getting the, people are going to get the deposits back in the big supermarkets. So it's a transfer of money from a small shop to a big shop. But that's neither here nor there. I take your point. But praise Dublin Airport. Go ahead, Tim. Uh, I'm going to praise Dublin Airport yeah. because I, I went through Dublin Airport last Thursday and I had my bottle with me, a water bottle. Yeah, to great. Travelling to Dublin Airport, a hard one, you know, a reusable one. Yeah, same here. So I, I finished that before I went through security mm-hmm. and I said, that's fine. And I said, so I went off to buy a bottle of water, you know, from one of those honesty places or whatever yeah, like that. Yeah. And lo and behold, I come across a water fountain which has a specific tap Brilliant. for bottles. Great. Remember the old ones? There was yeah. a little dribble that came oh, out below you, know, people, and, you and you weren't allowed to fill bottles in case there was contamination. Yeah. But you just put your bottle in here okay. and you press the button and the bottle was filled. So well done. Well people done. should just drink Dublin, their water before they go through security and refill the bottle. Right, okay. And then the other thing, Tim, is I'm sure you've been in airports, I have, where you go looking for a glass of water. Uh, at the cafe or the bar, and they were. I was in Bordeaux Airport a few years ago. They refused to give you a glass of water. Oh, they, they will, said, unless they, maybe you pay about three or four. Yeah, exactly. Euros and go, go, like go, and yeah. they say go and buy it now. Someone else is after texting and saying, "How does D- Dublin Airport Authority? How I bought a pint of Smithix there on Saturday morning, <laughs> and it was." It was seven euro fifteen cent. Anyway, that's that's because it's in the airport, I presume. Um, Tim, can I can I can I yes. pick your legal brain, yes, please, for a sec? Yeah. Uh, the DA and you used the phrase yourself. If I could, Tim, you, you, uh, through through the through the justice, uh, you, you, uh, my learned friend, Mister Bracken, used the phrase uh, an honesty system. Yet Dublin Airport say there is no honesty system. The water has a price which has to be paid. Not paying would be theft. All points of sale are monitored by CCTV and airport police. Now, well, if... See, it, Joe, yes. The word is honesty. Yeah. So if you pick up the bottle, you should pay for it. Okay. That's, that's kind of... You know, they're depending... that They're not having somebody there to take the money off. Yeah. That's what they would argue. It's honesty and it's... It, uh, and you should pay for it. It's not free water. There's a sign up saying that okay. the water is, is a euro, and I think you should abide by it. So if you're but say if you're, again, if you're can I can I just can I just forensically interrogate you there, Tim, for a second? By all means, my Joe, limited by all means. my limited knowledge. Um, okay, I go to the Force Water Station, Dublin Airport, and we now know it's not an honesty station. You're supposed to pay. You pick up your mm. bottle of water. There's no there's no human there. You pick up your bottle of water. Mm. You realise you don't have a coin. To put in the now it's it's the two euro guy now to put in the box, but you take the water. But by the time you get to the second location where there's the the, the honesty box is, you in the meantime have bought a cup of coffee in Butler's and you have two euro. And could I claim? Mm-hmm. Okay, I took the water from the first spot, but I paid for it in the second spot. No, I, I, okay. I, I don't know. I wouldn't think so. I think am I, am what I, you should do, yes. yeah, no, you put your hand in your pocket for a coin, there's no coin. Then you should go over to Butler's. Okay, you, know, you should okay. leave your bottle okay. of water, go to Butler's, get your thing, get your change and come back and then pay. You know, so basically, pay for it when you pick it up. Basically, you're saying, if I put my hand in my pocket 
and don't have a coin uh, to take the bottle of water, I'd be chancing my arm. You would be chancing your arm. Okay. I think you would. I, you rest, would I, I, I rest my case. Uh, well done. Uh, are you available to represent me on a more serious charge if that should ever arise, Tim? Like oh, double, I will, Joe. Double Absolutely. Okay. When I come back from holidays. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm out in the sunny Canaries, uh, Joe, will at you 28 stop? degrees. I Do know you, it's miserable at all. You know, it's miserable. It's miserable. <laughs> it's miserable. Okay, Tim, yeah. going to meet him a hug. That's Tim Bracken with a fantastic voice. Are you a singer, Tim? Oh, I am a bit. Yeah, well, no, not a singer, not a professional singer. I'd be a kind of a pub singer or a host uh, singer, you know, that type of thing. Well, is that a baritone voice or a tenor voice? I'd say it's baritone. Baritone, I can, beautiful. I get, I get I'd say now I would love to. Uh, I, I would hate to be in court, but I would love to have a man of your uh, one learnedness, uh, ability, and a voice representing me. Thank you, Joe. Sure. Thank you Thank very you. much. Okay. Enjoy the rest of your holiday, Tim. I will. I go out, I go out singing in the pub tonight. <laughs> <laughs> water, water everywhere. And not a drop to drink. Okay, that's Tim Tim, Tim Bracken. Good to meet you, good. Tim, where's Diana on the Cashless Society? <laughs> Hi, Joe. Yes. Hi, I'm here. Hadn't Tim got a beautiful voice? He did. He has a lovely oh, voice. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I could listen to him all, all day. All day. Absolutely. <laughs> A bit like listening to you all day. Oh, well. <laughs> go. Not, not, if, not if some people have their way. But anyway, go ahead, Diana. You say, anyway. I thought it was... Yeah, I thought there was some mention there during the week on some programme. Um, last week, I think, something about that it's actually illegal to refuse cash. Yeah. That cash is a legal requirement for people to be able to use, no matter where they go. That's my understanding. Well, I mean, maybe lost, I heard yeah. wrong. We've lost him. He's gone. He's in the Canaries. He's after hanging up. He's, <laughs> he's no doubt there on his yellow speedos running down to the beach or to a diving <laughs> board with a bottle of water <laughs> under his arm and hopefully a, a bottle of, uh, or a pint of Morphe's under the, in the other hand. You say, well, we can find out. You th- yeah, well, I, I think most of it. Would you tap yourself, Diana? So to speak. Uh, I, <laughs> we won't go down that. Uh, yes, uh, sorry, Joe. Um, yeah, we we um, we do have the cards with us when we go. Myself, and my husband. Um, if we go out anywhere, I usually have one in my purse, but I very rarely use it. I think if I've used it, maybe three times or four times in a year mm-hmm. to be as much. Uh, at least okay. for me. I mean, I'm one of the old school. At least I know that the money I've got in my hand is the money I've got to spend. OK, well, Diana, wait, so, for, Viv- wait for Vivian. Now, uh, just a <laughs> no. horse story. Oh, eight one eight seven one five eight one. Are you there, Vivian? Vivian? Joseph, how are you? How are you? Lovely and name. I certainly hope you're going bloody nowhere because <laughs> I've already read it in the paper. <laughs> I know I read it and too. And I'm telling no, you now, our team I'm, will lose thousands stop. of... Listeners, if you're gone, it's a, because it's, I, I, all my life I'm on to okay, you. Okay, well, it's, not, it's a, year, a year and a half. I've never heard of anyone talking about their contract a year and a half away from when it's up. But then I'm making a decision. I haven't made a decision. But, but anyway, maybe others it. have. Now, Vivian, sorry, I cannot, I cannot, sorry, yeah, I cannot allow you to talk yes. about me on the programme. It's not my well, program. Darling, the program but, now, Vivian, you you, now, if stop. it wasn't got you on stop, the programme, you, <laughs> you wouldn't have a bloody programme. The cash sorry about this, Joe. The, the cash now, I don't want to take us on. I don't want to take you on on the radio yeah, now. I know. The cashless society. Go back to the subject, oh, please, sorry, Vivian. Joe, yes. Wait till I tell you. <laughs> it's been ongoing and ongoing. And I I remember the last time I was on your show. 
Right. That poor man that went for his cataracts, if you remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they wouldn't let him on the plane. And he had to sleep on the street. Yeah, that's right. That's now, right. Joe. That's right, cause he, this country, because he didn't have a credit card, Vivian. Well remembered. He exhundred Well remembered. Joe. Fair play to you. Fair play to you. I remembered, no, because you were the first one ever pronounced my name mm. right on that day. Okay. Which is Vivienne. Vivienne, okay. Anywho. So have, you, have you been caught with Cashless. Tap Tap? Yes. Now, I went myself personally here about six months ago. Mm-hmm. My daughter, on a Sunday, I'm staying with her. I'm very ill. And I said to her, look, why don't we get a takeaway for lunch, for dinner, instead of making a roast dinner, blah, blah. Okay. So I decided, we'd, we'd, which she did, burritos. Oh, lovely. Oh, lovely. So my son-in-law travelled mm-hmm. to Blanchestown to get burritos. Okay. He didn't have a card on him. Ah. He only had cash. Got out, ordered, had ordered the pre ordered the food. When he went, there was a queue. Mm-hmm. He said he was embarrassed for his life. Yeah. On the queue and handed him the food and he went to pay cash. And they said, no, sorry, we don't accept cash. Ah. Only card. So burrito said, finito. Had no card on me. Bene- he bene- had no card on him. But bene- burrito finito. No, 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 burrito no burrito. Finito. Only Joe and Norfolk. Gen- a decent gentleman yes. behind him saw this predicament I mean it was five dinners five breaches and this wow. and paid with his card wow. and my son-in-law paid him back Isn't cash that, that was decent. and he accepted the cash it was very decent Joe but it's very bloody sad yeah. the second time okay. I went to Crispy Cream Donuts oh, yeah. for four donuts Went to pay. Sorry, we don't take cash. I had to walk away and leave them, and I was embarrassed for my life, Joe. Okay, yeah, it is Older embarrassing. It is embarrassing. It is embarrassing because people. It is, Joe, because people don't know mm-hmm. that you haven't. It's it's not the fact people don't know whether you haven't your card missed or you paid by card, and you feel people are all looking at you. You know when you see, I I have know. to walk away and leave me. Yeah, but I know they say, um, they're now saying, once we put a sign up beside the cash register, it's legal. But surely if you put a sign, surely every place you advertise, you would have to say uh, that we only accept card. In other words, and we check with the, we yeah. check the Savoy, if the Savoy advertising, the Evening Herald or the advertise online, which I'm sure they do, has every one yeah. of their notifications, does it state we only accept, we, we, are, we are cashless? Because I know it seems what a lot of them are doing, not the Savoy, obviously, because I don't know, but it seems what a lot of places are doing, just sticking up this sign saying we only take card, and they say because we put up a sign, that's legal. But surely the sign should be on every place where you state your what's what you're selling, basically. So I wonder, Vivian. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. You wonder, Joe. And obviously, as I said, where I said here, the person there. When has le- cash not become legal tender? That's true. Uh, as far as I know, we all thought cash, cash was is, king. Can't we talk it cash always was has king. been from the time. Okay. It began. So you your, know, your your poor son would have been a bur- I, uh, would have been a burrito bandido, except for that beautiful good Samaritan that was standing behind. Unfortunately, we got no burritos. Oh, you didn't get so them. 
Oh, sorry, he did because you, that, you, man that man paid. helped him. But yeah. if, if that man hadn't, I know you would have been. Uh, he was an absolute gentleman. Yeah, well if done. He hadn't, well done. We okay, got no burritos. Okay, Vivienne, talk to you soon. Uh, so, Tom, Tom Walsh, Tom. How you doing, Joe? Um, you 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 looked into this the whole thing of putting the sign up saying no cash. Go ahead. I I I did actually. What happened was that during the summer, my daughter, she's. Not even a teenager yet, but they were a group of them were friends, and they decided to go see Barbie in the cinema. Okay. And um, a couple of parents were driving them in, and then we found out that they had to buy their own tickets. You know, nobody organised to buy no, course, 10 tickets yeah, okay. or like that. You know. But um, we found out then that when we're looking into the price of tickets and all the rest, to know how much to give her going in, and um, that the cinema only accepted card. Ah. And okay. Like, you know, 10, 12-year-old children don't have a card. Don't like, have a card, you know? yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I looked into it and I made a few inquiries. And mm-hmm. apparently it's all covered under um, contract law. Okay. If there's a sign up to say that they only take card and you are aware of that sign and you decide to continue to do business mm-hmm. with that, organisation, whether it's a shop or a cinema or whatever, you've agreed to enter into a contract knowing that they have special terms and conditions. But I didn't see the sign. When I went into the cinema, Tom, I was too consumed with the brilliant advertising for Oppenheimer or Barbie. (laughs) I didn't see the sign, Your Honour. Yeah, I I totally hear what you're saying, Joe, and it's a very interesting argument what you're just after asking there with Vivienne, like if yeah. if it should be on every advertisement. Yeah, yeah. But and and maybe it should be. But there's another thing, Joe, as well, and this came up yesterday when we were. You have to book your tickets using a credit card, and That's if right. it's nine fifty to go see the cinema, or if it's eleven mm-hmm. fifty or whatever it is, and then there's a one seventy five service charge. Ah, one seventy five. Or, or one euro or... Yeah, no, no, there is a service charge. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like, if your only option, if your only option is to buy using a credit card or a debit card or any sort of electronic mm-hmm. payment, and then you're, you're charged you're extra. With more, yeah. Like... Okay, it's like, it's, it's like, um... What did someone say to me recently? I didn't know this. You know the way when you're in du- Dublin Airport again, and when you come out of Dublin Airport, you order a taxi on free now because usually the queues for the taxis can be miles long, and you, which you're entitled to do. You order your free now and you go to this pickup area 18. I didn't know the taxi has to pay to get in and get out of area number 18. Yeah, they introduced that there about 10 or 12 years ago, didn't they? Yeah, I don't know if it's that, that long ago. But anyway, I didn't... Good God, I didn't... Um, I didn't. I, I, there's, you, you pay for everything. You pay for everything. You pay for everything. Okay. Did they enjoy Barbie? Oh yeah, they did. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? <laughs> oh, I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a girl's night out, John. Surely you know what that is. I do. I do. I do. You're called a taxi driver. You're called a taxi driver. Okay, Tom. Good to meet you, Michael. But Tom, you say you looked into it. You looked into it. And once once the sign is up, apparently contract law governs it, and they they are legal. But I think there's I think there's a minutiae uh, there about do they have to display it uh, on every place they advertise? Okay, Tom. Good to meet you, Michael. Joe at rt.e five one double five one text number. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe!
Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Another texter says, I was in the Matter Hospital, Cant- Matter Private in Eccles Street, Dublin. Canteen, after consulting the point, I only had cash with me. Got me a cup of coffee and a scone, went to pay, and the cashier said, I can't take cash. So I said, I only have cash. What am I supposed to do? And she said, well, you just have to leave them. And I said, so what's going to happen to the scone and the coffee, which I had touched? Obviously, the coffee cup and that. And it is a hospital. And she said, well, I just have to throw it all out. And out it went into the bin. And the poor patient in the matter went without their cup of uh, coffee and a scone. Um, and uh, someone else said, have I now, because of cashless society, have I now, and I don't know much, what do kids get for, what's a 12-year-old get for pocket money now a week? Um, probably 200 euro. But do, do, do you, um, can you give them cash anymore? Or do you, does, does everyone have Revolut and does it work that way? But um, if we're moving, which it seems, uh, it's uh, inevitable and unstoppable. Uh, the... Uh, the tide is coming in uh, on the card and the tide has gone out, long gone out, on uh, cash. But what about older people? Uh, Desi Green. Desi, I'm sorry to hear another awful, awful, awful story about uh, an attack on sheep. Where did this happen, Desi? Hi, Joe. Uh, yeah. Yes, this happened uh, in uh, in Wexford uh, uh, on two adjoining farms and uh, it happened on Friday night there around four or five o'clock Saturday morning, say. Yeah. And uh, there was there were six killed in one farm and there's eight killed in the other. Right. And uh, that's bad enough, but the sad part about it is it's only afterwards uh, when the when the old start lambing now say in April, yeah. It's only then you have the horror of uh, lambs being twisted up in them and wow. you'll end up with dead lambs. That's the best yeah, to say, Joe. No point saying different, you know. And were you, was your, were your sheep hit, Desi? Then the word, the way it happened, yes. We, I, I was one of the farms here and the other's a giant farm, their neighbour, yeah. you know. And, and did uh, anyone, did anyone hear anything? Or? No, but I tell you, we're very lucky in one way. Uh, there's a, a chap have a garage beside the field mm-hmm. of the adjoining farm and the sheep come around by the front of the garage again the gate, and here we could see the two dogs uh, killing the sheep. And I flat we'd never known what dogs done it, you know. So we called the guards, and they come on board, and mm-hmm. they got the warden, and then they located the two dogs, and then the warden brought the dogs with him and put them down, you know. So now that was satisfaction. What, anyway, what, you know. What breed? What breed are the dogs? No, yes, a uh, uh, breed don't really come into it, but I tell you the breed. Yeah, okay. Because any dog will kill sheep when okay, they get going, okay, you know. Okay, yeah, But yeah. the breed is uh, a, a larger type, which they will be uh, mm-hmm. pulled down like a, like a half greyhound, that type of dog, yeah. as big as a greyhound. And the other will be a, more of a spaniel, a cocker spaniel type. And had and, they, you know, obviously I don't want the address, but had they travelled far? They travel now, I, I know exactly where they come from. They travel around, around between two and three kilometres, they travelled. <laughs> And it's unbelievable. I always heard that over the years. If a dog wants yeah. to uh, start killing sheep, it don't matter how far they travel, they will cut, they'll, they'll go back again. You know, wow. dogs like that are strange. They, they know. And would but, they uh, would they travel in pairs always to kill sheep? Oh yes, oh yeah, pairs. The, the two of them come together, and uh, that's where dogs will travel. No dog will, will do it on their own. You know, oh, I didn't know that. two dogs plus. Yeah. You know, they will do it. And have you and, uh, any, Desi, I mean, again, you can't even begin to, to price it, as you say, until 
the, the lambing season starts. You see, but but are you, is there yeah. any insurance that covers that on the farm? Then, you see, you, you, you could say that, but with, with the, the insurance, it's, it's the, when you find the dogs, you have some, but no insurance, no insurance would cover yourself on the farm for yeah. the sheep that's been killed by other people's dogs, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you have an injury, say, or something yeah, happened in your yeah. farm, God yes. Forbid, yeah. But, you know, but, uh, uh, no, the, the people in question here now are, are, are you know, on board and, uh, they, they will be, it will be, it will be addressed in that sense. But mm-hmm. the long term expense is what the killing part about it, you know, and the veterinary bills now, and you know the, the pain and the stress that the sheep are in, you know. And uh, but we, we as a as ICSA, would call for people that have dogs. They, if they're not microchipped, those dogs should be put down. They shouldn't have a right to even keep them dogs. Yeah. Every dog should be yeah. microchipped. Yeah, and then people have an idea where their dog is, what's going on, yeah. and you know, and show a bit of responsibility. And uh, so, really, that's where we're going now. You know, I, I'm just chairman here of the Wexford branch, and I'm just highlighted now. But that is what mm. we, you know, that is what we all call for: is dogs should be should be microchipped, and then you have some chance. Then you know. And Desi, do all now forgive me? You know, I'm a, a jackine. Um, Desi, do do all sheep stay out at night? Yes, majority of sheep do be out. Yes, okay. yeah, that is nature of sheep. Yeah, yes, I know that. It, does, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't bother and them. It's only it's only when they come in. Some people bring in sheep about maybe uh, you know a fortnight or three weeks before the lamb, and they have them in the house, and they meet the lamb, then out to go straight away with the lambs. You know. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I'm so but, sorry to hear this, and yeah. and there's so many, and and it's it's I and I take the point, and I brought up the point you didn't about the financial end, but I brought it up in fairness. You 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 weren't fortunate, yeah. but it's also the horror on the poor animals. Yes, the horror on the poor animals. It's the unacceptable pain and stress yeah. on the sheep, you know. And it's strange about them. Sheep, there's the shock. Even I see one of the oars here. There's very little mark on her. Yeah. But she died all uh, overnight uh, wow. with the stress. You know, wow. she didn't die straight away. And that's the thing about sheep. They're very harmless kind of little creatures that way. And they, they will just, just lie, lie down and die on you, you know. And then I was reading something at the weekend and I came across a phrase. You can explain it to me, hopefully. The you the, the will sling the unborn lamb. What does that mean? Then you so, see, they will, oh yeah, they will, they will abort, is another word. Okay, They will okay. throw the lambs. Okay, you know, okay, no? okay. Yeah, yeah, that's what that is now, you know. Before oh, the time, before the time, you know. Yeah, of course, that. awful, and awful. Dead, dead lambs. Oh, oh no, okay. it's, it's the after effects of the worst yeah. job, you say with you, you know. And you've explained it so well. Desi, I'm so sorry yeah. to hear that. And again, even that little bit of education there, and we've all heard the story yes. that log, dogs will travel in pairs and they will travel kilometres. Oh, to, any distance, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Once, once they do, oh, okay. the, the, the lambs go back, you know. Okay, Desi, I'm sorry no. that happened to you and, and your, your, your neighbour in a great part of the country in Morantown, County Wexford. Desi Green, yes. good meal and market. That's Desi Green no. in Wexford. Joe at rte.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And Joe at RT.ie. Eileen O'Hara, what happened, Eileen? <laughs> Hiya. Hey. Hiya, Joe. Um, today I was up with the NDLS. Oh, and yeah. I think you already mentioned we them. Did, they uh, are we, not, did, uh, we did it a few months ago. I thought they changed after the publicity. No, it's today, only today, it's the same. Now, I was fine because I'm over 70. When yeah. I got to the county, that I didn't have to pay because I was spitting fire. 
when I saw no card on the door. Oh, now, that, he said it's sorry, on the no website. Sorry, no cash, no cash. No, ca- no, no card only. Sorry, card, card only, only on yeah, the door. Yeah. Well, I thought, anyway, they, I I thought, they, I thought they, they changed it after the Ferrari. No, well, they certainly here. didn't today. It's, there's still okay. no card. Oh, oh, only card. Only, only card. card, okay. But also to that list, I want you to add Aer Lingus. Okay. Because they are card only also. Just uh, back from yesterday, you can't even get your cup of tea on the plane now. It's a card only. Ah. I want to so do, that's what, just put yeah. a, I just want you to put that on the list. Aer Lingus is added oh, okay. to that. Well, what did he say? And, uh, it's, it's too messy on the flight. The staff are brilliant. Oh, they should again. Yeah. When okay. they paid well enough for all the years taking the cash, what suddenly has changed? They're all gone too greedy, Joe. That's what's wrong with them. Bank charges and things. Everyone has to pay their bank charges and pay what they're entitled. These big companies that can well afford to pay their bank charges. Okay. Okay. And they stop the, the little people having their cup of tea. And the staff but are just doing that, what their what, policy is. Yeah, yeah. doing what yeah. they're meant to do. Yeah. But just on the other side of that, I was in Decathlon a couple of months back up in Ballymun. That's a new sports yeah, shop. Yeah, and they're moving into And I went into theories, the canteen yeah. there for a cup of tea. Got to pay for my cup of tea. No, card only. And I said, oh, well, I'm really sorry. I don't do a uh, card. Mm. And I said, no, no, no. She says, take your cup of tea and sit down. Have your cup of tea. Fair play. And Fair yeah, play. so that was the only place I was left. Okay. Okay, we're all on, I'm, we're all on our way to decathlon. For, no, I don't have a card. I'll have your cup of tea and play it. Can't you, well, can't I don't you, know if that's still yeah, operating. What well, I used to love about decathlon in France, you can go in and play table tennis. You can go in with your kids <laughs> yeah. and let them run round and let disappear. Okay, Eileen, going to meet him on good John Horan. No where's where's John? Thanks, Eileen. John in uh, Liffey Valley. What happened? What's the log? And what happened in Liffey Valley? I live halfway between Liffey Valley okay. Shopping Centre and the square. So what happened? Parked, what happened? What happened? We parked 18 months ago, couldn't get the car out. Stranded. No cash. Why? The machine wouldn't take cash. Ah, we only take cards. And it was only after being introduced, we knew nothing about it, until we tried to get the car out. And how long were you stuck for? Uh, about half an hour. We had to get, some man came up to us, a customer, yeah. and he'd done the same as your last man. But he, you, you weren't blocking the exit, would. were you? Because that's what no, happens. Oh, no, okay. no. And were no. there loads of signs so, up? Were there loads of signs up? we seen them up there, but n- not there the week before, Joe. Okay, no. okay. No, okay. they weren't. So we were shopping the square. Okay. Because that gives us an option. Yeah. yeah. Cash or card. Okay. John, go to Mina That's John Horn, uh, Sadogan. Remember the earlier discussions, rte.ie forward stroke, uh, forward slash helplines. Caro Heron Sound, researcher Richie Byrne, producer Nettie Egan Ray Darcy's next. 0818 715 815 stays open until 3.15 pm or email joe at rte.ie.